So I started a series last week called The Battle Belongs to the Lord. And um, we talked about some various things. It happened to be the um, anniversary of D-Day last, last Sunday, 6th of, 6th of June, 77 years since D-Day, which is a, I'm not going to talk about all the history of that, um, but a big, um, huge, huge battle or huge event that happened um, in, in World War II. And this area was very involved in it. South of England was hugely involved in it. Some of you, Graham, Dad, you might even remember it just about, I don't know, just about. No. Oh, you were in Yorkshire then, weren't you? That's true. Dad might remember a little bit about it, I don't know. But anyway, um, yeah, anyway, but I was connecting that with, with the fact that every battle belongs to the Lord. I talked about this big battle that went on and, and, and all that happened in the great victory and it led to the end of World War II. And, but talking about battles in, in the Bible and, you know, God wants us to be victorious. You know, we, we are in a battle. We're not in a, in a physical battle, praise God. You know, we're not conscripted in, in an army and have to go and fight in France or somewhere across the world that we don't want to do. You know, we don't have to do any of those things, but we are in a spiritual battle. But our battle's not against flesh and blood. It's against spiritual principalities and powers. I mean, it says in Ephesians, Ephesians 6. Amen? So, and we looked at the story or, or the account of Jonathan and his armor bearer, which is recorded in 1 Samuel uh, 14 and drew out a whole number of points um, out of that. And, and just, just kind of to sum up, it was, the essence of it was just Jonathan's just um, uh, statement of faith and just total belief that God would do what he said he was going to do. And that's what faith essentially is, isn't it? <laughs> it's totally believing what, what, what God says he's going to do, that he is going to do. And there's, and there's no doubt, there's no confusion about it. You just have your mindset totally on that and, and declaring that and believing that. And, and they end up having a great battle over the Philistines. So I want to look at some uh, various battles um, over the weeks. And so I want to move on. This is only just recorded just in a few chapters later in 1 Samuel 17. And this is the story of David and Goliath. Now, a very well-known story if you've grown up in, in church. I'm sure you've done this in kids' church or ignition and, and youth and, and stuff. Then you'll know this uh, very, very well. It's a very well-known story, but there's some great truths in it. And there's two uh, two kind of fundamental truths that I want to uh, draw out of it and there could be others but there's two kind of big ones I want to focus on so with Jonathan and his armor bearer they had a great victory against the Philistines you know, this was all to fulfill remember that the, the promise that God had given the Israelites that they would take the promised land and they had to keep on defeating different enemies in order in order to do that so Philistines was another one of these um, uh, kind of enemies that they had to uh, had to defeat and, and be victorious over in order to give the land that God had promised them hundreds of years uh, before. So this issue with the Philistines kept on coming up. Jonathan and his armor bearer had this great victory and, and lots of other soldiers ended up getting involved. They ended up having a great victory that we looked at last week. But there were still ongoing issues with the Philistines. It wasn't kind of, some of the Philistines were defeated but there were still others. So this story is just recorded just a few chapters later and this ongoing issue uh, with the Philistines who were basically out to destroy um, Israel. So that's kind of where things are at. Okay. So I just want to read some of this. I'm not going to read the entire account, but we'll read bits of the account because it's a lot of verses. But I want to read some bits of the account and then draw some things out of that. And we're going to take communion as well later. That'll be connected with what I'm talking about as well this afternoon. Praise God. So everyone ready for the word of God? Yes. Excellent. That's the right answer. Excellent. So it's 1 Samuel 17 uh, verses 1 to 11. All the scriptures will be on screen for you. Or look up in your Bibles. 1 Samuel 17. Now the Philistines had gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko, probably, in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Damim between Seco and Azekar. 
Saul and the Israelites, so Saul was the king at that time, Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley in between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out to the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits in a span, which is about nine feet tall in English, whatever that is in meters, I don't know, 2.7 meters, I think, ish. Um, he had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of armor, a scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and his iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. That was a fun job his shield bearer had. and <laughs> carried all this heavy stuff around. Uh, verse 8. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do, you come up and line, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy the armies of the living God, or defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. And then it goes on, it goes on in, in the coming verse, or the following verses, just to talk about how Goliath would do this day after day after day. Every afternoon, sorry, every morning and, and every evening, Goliath would come out basically to go to the Israelites, to intimidate the Israelites, saying, I'm basically going to kill you, we're going to destroy you. Um, and it, you know, it says what the effect of that were. The Israelites started to be dismayed and terrified. It was, he, he's getting inside their head. It was like a his mind game, isn't it? His mind game is what's going on here. So I'm going to kill you. I'm going to, I'm going to destroy you. And because he was this huge, huge guy, and many of the, uh, many of the Philistines were big guys, um, you know, fear entered the Israelites' heart. And that was obviously the whole purpose of why Goliath was doing this, just to intimidate them and get them to give up. So let's continue just reading through the story before we start drawing some stuff out. So let's skip on to verse 20. It says this. So early in the morning, David, so David at this time is, is still a shepherd. He's not king yet. Saul is a king. David, David is God's anointed or God's future anointed and ends up becoming king, as I'm sure you're fully aware. But at this, at this stage, he's still a shepherd and teenager, maybe 14, 15, 16, around that sort of age. So verse 20. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd. He loaded up and set out as Jesse, as his dad, had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to his battle position, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, asked his brothers how they were doing. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion of Gath, stepped out from his line and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. So presumably David hadn't heard it up to this, up to this point because he'd been out doing what he did as a shepherd looking after sheep. When the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites have been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. That's quite, a, yeah, that's quite an incentive, isn't it? <laughs> Several incentives there. Okay. You're going to give him loads of money and you're going to get a, an amazing wife and also you're never going to have to pay tax again. That sounds, that sounds like a good bargain, doesn't it? Anyway, <laughs> anyway. Uh, verse 26, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? It's interesting the wording he, David uses it. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of a living God? We talked about this last week where, I'll talk about this a little bit more in a minute, expand on it in a minute, but we talked about this last week with, with Jonathan and his, and his armor bearer, where Jonathan brought up this fact about they were uncircumcised. Now, I'm sure you know in, in Israelite, in, in, in those times, then, then uh, boys would be circumcised, and it was all a sign of the covenant that God had uh, with the people of Israel. That was a 
the purpose behind it. So, so, so David is making this specific point. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He does not have a covenant. Who does this, basically, who does this guy think in the world he is? Who is he? he he's, he's a nobody. Who is this guy who doesn't have a covenant to say what he's going to do to us people, people of God, people with a covenant, people who people of a promise, people who hundreds of years before is going to be promised to our uh, ancestor Abraham that we're going to live in this land. It's going to be a land flowing with milk and honey, and he's going to give it to us. Who does this guy think in the world that he is? That's basically what David is saying here. And Jonathan had a similar attitude. Let's skip to verse 32. Just a few more verses. So David said to Saul, let no one lose heart. So David goes to the king, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, this is kind of encouragement you want, isn't it? You are not able to go against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. David has a great attitude. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear, which obviously existed in Israel, clearly don't exist in Israel anymore, wild lions and wild bears, but did at the time. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued a sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by his hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine, this Philistine without a covenant, will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. So kind of convinced Saul, which is great. So David, as we know, then goes and collects five stones from a stream, five stones for his sling. And there are ongoing further attempts by Goliath to try and intimidate David. Like, you know, just like David was having the attitude, who in the world does this guy think he is? Goliath was like thinking the same about David. Who in the world does this little young man, this teenager, think in the world he is? So skip to verse 45. This is the last verses on this. So David says to the Philistine, David makes these great declarations. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord said, for the battle is the Lord's. Amen. Amen. That's what the whole series is about. The battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine, three verses left, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag, taking out the stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and kill, killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword, drew it from the sheath, and after he killed him, he cut Goliath's head off with, with his own sword. When the Philistines saw their hero was dead, they turned and ran. And there's a few more verses where talking about they have a big rout. The Philistines are com- completely destroyed. And, and you know, there's a great victory happens in this context. Now, so obviously read quite a few verses there. But this whole account could be summed up as the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. This is the thing that, that David carried in his heart. And I believe us as Christians, thousands of years later since, since this account was written, that we need to be people who carry in our heart that the battle belongs to the Lord. We're not in a physical battle, but we are in a spiritual battle. But the battle belongs to the Lord. You know, in our, in our lives, and maybe right now in your life, and we can face a whole load of giants. Again, they're not natural giants, not guys nine feet tall. Okay? But we can face giants, spiritual giants. The reason I wanted Tanya to share what she shared, because she was talking about a, a giant in her life. There's a scoliosis that she, she was dealing with. And, and the financial situation that her and Tommy found themselves in, that those were giants in her life. 
you know, and when giants come into our lives, then, then we have to make decisions about what we're going to do about them. You know, and it's interesting, wasn't it, that the attitude of David, which was so different to the attitude of the majority uh, of the Israelites, who were just in fear and dismayed and anxious and worried and, and, and stressed out and not sleeping and all those kind of things that, uh, you know, sometimes can happen to us, can't they? So maybe you've got giants in your life right now. It could be giants of health. It could be giants of, you know, uh, financial issues or, or job situations. It could be giants like things, just people you're believing for, believing for your spouse, believing for a, uh, you know, a neighbor, believing for a work colleague to, co- to come to know God. But it may feel like a giant. It may seem that on the surface, in the natural, it's impossible. That there is no, you may be, th- or, you know, I talked about this last week. So often we try and work things out, don't we? We try and work out how God can do things as if we know more than how God can do it, right? But so often we tr- our mind goes into overdrive, doesn't it? And we try and work out how God can do things. But they seem naturally impossible. You know, but God specializes in things that are naturally impossible. Amen? I'm only glad about that. You know, we, we've sung and declared this this morning, that every, this afternoon, every giant will fall. Amen? Every giant will fall in Jesus' name. Praise God. So we can face giants in our lives. And they just might be some examples of health or finance or in your marriage, people you're believing for in your family uh, to get saved. Maybe children that you've got have gone away, have gone away from God, and you're believing for. And in that natural, it may seem impossible. You think, well, how in the world could that even happen? That's as a giant that you're facing. Okay, but the, so there's two huge lessons I want to draw draw out of this. So the first one is that David had a close relationship with God, and he knew his character. David had a close relationship with God, and he knew the character of God. Amen? And this is a great lesson for us. David had a close relationship with God. He he walked with God. The Bible calls David a man after God's own heart. Amen? Now, David pursued God. David David used his time well out out in the shepherd and out out in the fields and, and, you know, looking up at the stars. He he wrote many of the Psalms. These great 150 Psalms that we have in the book of Psalms. And David wrote, wrote... uh, far more than anybody else. I can't remember exactly how many David wrote off the top of my head, but he wrote far more than anybody else. And, and many of those is written just as a shepherd boy, just having a revelation of who God was. Amen? As he just kind of laid under the stars, looking after, looking after sheep. He, he pursued God. He, he was after God's heart. He wanted to know more about God. He wanted to understand more about God. He wanted to understand more about God's character. And this is why this is always going to be God's anointed, amen, to be the future king. Because it was, and, and when David does get anointed, um, it's recorded later that it says about God looks at the heart. You know, man, look, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. It was always about the heart. And it's because to kind of where is our heart towards God? This is, this is a challenge for us. Could we call ourselves a man or, or a woman after God's own heart? Genuine question. Let's ask, ask yourself that question. Could we call ourselves a man or a woman after God's own heart? Do we pursue God? Are we pursuing a close relationship with God? Are we, are we spending time and are we making a uh, concerted effort or setting time aside you know, to know more of God and his character? You know, the relationship you have with God is entirely up to us, how deep that relationship goes. It's not up to God. We all know that, amen? It's not up to God how deep our relationship goes with God. It's entirely up to us and how deep we want it to go. And God wants us to grow, grow in him and get to know him more. You know, one of the great psalms that David wrote whilst he was a shepherd, just looking up at the stars, is Psalm, psalm 24, and there's loads I could have chosen from. But Psalm 24, not Psalm 23, the Lord's my shepherd, and that's an amazing psalm as well. This is the one that's the following one, Psalm 24. It says this, so remember David was written this himself, whilst out under the stars. Who may ascend, this is verse 3, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. The one who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. 
So this was, this was David's heart and this was David's attitude to ascend the mountain of the Lord. What that means is just to pursue God, to find out more about God, to spend time with God, to, to, to pray and to communicate. And, and, and it talks about having clean hands and a pure heart. And as David did that, God would purify him as well and you know, make him right uh, in his sight. You know, David knew the covenant that he had. Man, we talked about him calling this Philistine an uncircumcised Philistine. Who do you think he is? David knew he, he was a covenant person. And David didn't even have the covenant that we have, right? That's, that's the truth, isn't it? David didn't have the amazing covenant that we have. He had a great covenant. Israelites had an amazing covenant, but it's, but it's not the new covenant that we have because of the cross. Amen. You know, he, that obviously hadn't happened yet for several hundred years, or many hundred years. So David had an amazing covenant. We have an even better covenant. Praise God. We now have free access to the Father. And we'll talk about that in a bit. But David ascended the mountain of the Lord, so he made the choice to prioritize seeking after God's own heart and to get to know him better. That was a huge priority in his life. So the challenge, challenge for us is, is that a priority in our lives? We don't need to beat ourselves up about it. We don't need to feel guilty about it. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 makes it very clear. I'm not talking about beating yourself up and thinking, oh, I'm, you know, this is what the, the devil would love to do that. Make you think, oh, I'm a rubbish Christian. I'm, I'm terrible. That person over there is a much better Christian than me. You know, that, that's rubbish. It's lies from the pit of hell, all that kind of stuff. Because all that's still, it's just the devil just trying to put you down. Okay? So don't beat yourself up about it, but, but just do something about it. Put things right with God if you need to do that. Confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us. Purify us from all unrighteousness, as 1 John 1 9 says. So put things right if you need to put things right, but don't beat yourself up about it. There's no condemnation. Just now, just do something about it. You know, we can't do anything about our past, can we? But we can do everything about our future. The past is the past, is the past because it's gone past, right? And if you need to put things right, put things right. But don't beat yourself up about the past and what we've done before because it's not relevant to what God wants to do in our future. Amen? So David made some great choices to prioritize seeking after, his, after God's heart. Let's continue verse, this is Psalm 24 again, this great psalm that David wrote. Verses 7 to 10. So just skip a few verses, verse 7 to 10. It says this. Lift up your heads, you gates, and be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. This is the revelation. Because God, cause, cause David had made great decisions to pursue God, to, to go up the mountain of the Lord, to pursue after God's heart. This is the revelation he had of who God was. Where do we get to? Verse 8. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is he, this king of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the king of glory. So David has this revelation of, of the victorious king of glory. You know, and as we spend more time with God, this is why spending time with God is important. It's not because God needs us to do anything. God doesn't need anything, right? Everyone agree? By definition, God needs nothing. He doesn't need praise. He doesn't, he doesn't need worship. He doesn't, he doesn't need our money. He doesn't even need us to spend time with him. Everyone agree? Because if God needs anything, <laughs> we're in big trouble. <laughs> God doesn't need anything by definition because he he's God. He's supernatural. He's totally self-sufficient. In, in who he is. But does he desire for us to do those things? Absolutely. Amen? It's about our, our heart response uh, to who God is. And as we spend more time with him, we get more and more revelation of who he is. And this is what David had. He, and this is why he could come against Goliath, because he had this revelation in his heart that the king of glory, if we lift up our heads, your gates, lift them up, your ancient doors, the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? He's the Lord strong and mighty, Lord mighty in battle. This is why he could speak to Goliath, and maybe the other Israelites couldn't speak to Goliath. Because he had a revelation of who God was. Amen? So here's a challenge for us. So, uh, it's 1 Samuel 17, verse 45. Let's move back to that. 
and the challenge for us. David said to the Philistine, you come against him with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. Remember the revelation of who he's had. This is, this is the God that you have defied. So David then declares who God is. And the challenge for us is who are we declaring that God is? And there's giants you may be facing in your life or you may have giants you're going to face in the future. What are you declaring about who God is in your situation? Now, we've kind of got, to, we've got some decisions to make, haven't we? That's the reality. Life, life is, the Christian life is a series of good decisions, isn't it? Or a series of decisions. You can make good ones, you can make bad ones. But God wants us to always be making good decisions. And the best decision you can ever make is to prioritize spending time in God and his word in prayer. And just asking him to reveal more of who he is. Because it builds, it builds faith in us. Amen? So what is our declaration about who God is? What is our declaration about who God is about the giants we face? Do we truly know his character? And my view is a pastor, and this is a challenge for me personally, as well as everybody else, I'm certainly not judging in any way, is that too many Christians, they don't know God well enough. I'm serious. They don't know God well enough. Not because God doesn't want them to know him well enough. Not because God is a respecter of, you know, the Bible says that God doesn't have favorites. He's no respecter of persons. Not because God's like, well, I'm going to give them an amazing relationship with me over here. And that person over there, I'm not so sure about them. God just does not think that way or operate that way. And that wouldn't be loving anyway, would it? God doesn't have favorites. But it's about people who have just made a decision to pursue and be people after his own heart. Amen? So do we truly know his character? Amen? So if we need to make some great decisions off the back of this, let's, let's, be, let's be doing that to get to know God and who he is. Because that was key to... Use my notes. That was key to David being able to respond in the way he responded. So let's move on to point two. Time's going very, very quick. Try and be a bit um, strict with time as well. So move on to point two. So David refused to give in to fear. This is all one point. David refused to give in to fear and chose to take Goliath on with his faith firmly in God and his character. So David had chosen to spend time in his character's point, sorry, spend time in God's presence, discover who God is, get a revelation of his character to pursue him. Point two, David refused to give in to fear and chose to take Goliath on with his faith firmly in God and his character. So in these giants that we may be facing, we've got big decisions to make. And again, this is just my observation as a pastor, not in any way being judgmental. It's, it's a challenge for me as well, personally. It's too many Christians, I, I, I think, they, they give in far too easily to giants that they're facing. They give in far too easily. And, and, and the giants can easily win because, because they don't know God or they don't stand up against it or they won't look the giant in the eye. I believe that's what we need to do as Christians. Look the giant in the eye. That's why I love what Tanya, Tanya shared because I know those who know Tanya, she's a real woman of faith. And when giants come her way, it's like, who in the world do they think they are? You know, I'm going to stand against them. Who, who, they, who are they to stand against the God that's inside me? And that's, that's a great attitude to have. Amen. And the right attitude and the attitude that God wants us to have. Because God wants us to bring those giants down. Every giant will fall in Jesus' name. You know, the devil will try and, and intimidate. It's just like, just like um, Goliath did with the Israelites. The devil will try and play mind games with us. Tell us we're no good, or we're rubbish, or, or the situation is never going to change, or that person you're believing for, they're never ever going to be saved. It's too hard. It's too, it's too difficult. That health situation is never going to change. You know what the doctors say. You've seen the scans. You've seen the reports. You've seen the x-rays. That's, that's never going to change. Those, we can be bombarded, can't we, with our thoughts. Or finances, think we're always going to be financially struggle. You're going to lose your house. You're going to lose your job. And all those things that can be things that bombard our thinking, can't they? And it's just the devil just trying to intimidate us. These giants trying to intimidate us. You know, 1 Peter 5, verse 8, Peter writes this. Be alert and of sober mind. 
Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. Okay, it's really important to make that clear. He prowls around like a roaring lion. He pretends to be a lion. Okay, he prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know the family of believers throughout the world is, suffer- is undergoing the same kind of suffering. So all across the world, people are dealing with these dealing with giants, and they could look different depending on where you live on the planet. But ev- we're all dealing with giants. All Christians across the world. Amen. We just have to wise up to what the devil tries to do, and he'll try and play mind games with us. He'll he attack, he attack our thinking. And you can see that with the Israelites, where they were totally trapped by fear, weren't they? They were totally trapped. And, and you know, what's interesting in this account is every single one of the Israelites, the thousands who were facing Goliath, they all could have done what David did. Have an agree? They all could have done it, every single one. But, but it took a man who was after God's own heart to say, no, this, this giant is not going to defeat us. This giant, who, do they, who in the world do they think he is? But fear can so often trap us, can't it? Just like it did with the Israelites. Amen. Let's move on. But David knew that when you, when you pursue God and you seek after, his own, um, seek after his own heart, there's things that will happen, there's things that will you know, follow that. So let's, go back, let's jump back to Psalm 24. This is verse 5 and 6. It's a great psalm that David wrote as a shepherd. This is what will happen for those who seek God and know his character. They will receive blessing from the Lord. They will receive vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him. Who seek your face, God of Jacob. So David understood that whilst he pursued God and, and had a revelation of who his character was, that he was, he was the, you know, the living God, he was the king of glory, he was the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle, he was able to look this giant in the eye. And I believe as Christians, so, so often we just need to write, well, always actually, we need to rise up and look our giants in the eye. The who, do you, who in the world do you think you are? You have no right to destroy me. You have no right to destroy me in this situation. You have no right to destroy my finances or my health or, or, or my marriage or, or my job, whatever what the situation may be. That giant has no right. Amen. It's just trying to play mind games with you. The devil's just trying to play mind games and confuse you. So because David understood that those who pursue will receive blessings from the Lord and vindication from God, this is why he could make these great declarations. Verse 40, 45, uh, 1 Samuel 17, verse 45. We read this verse, but we didn't read the uh, subsequent verses earlier. So it says this, David said to the Philistines, you come against me with a sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've defied. This is what David, David understood. He looked the giant directly in the eye. David is a small guy, a small teenager up against this nine-foot giant. You know, in, in the natural, there's like no competition here, right? But this is, but this is great supernatural victory happens here. Verse 46, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. The whole world will know there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know there is not by sword or spear for the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. So he will give all of you into our hands. So David had a total revelation of this. And I said earlier, he carried that in his heart, that the battle belongs to God. It is his. He took the giant head on, looked the giant in the eye, and they would say, I come against you in, in the, with the armies of a living God, the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. You're going to be destroyed. He's going to give you into my hands. I'm going, to, I'm going to cut off your head. Obviously, physically, we don't need to go around cutting off people's heads. That's not good. Okay? But spiritually, we do need to go around cutting off the heads of giants. Amen? I really believe that. So if you've got giants in your life, get a revelation from God. Be spending time with God. Get to know his character and who he is, what he can do in your situation. Amen? Let's see these giants be killed in, in Jesus' name. Amen? So this is a challenge for us. What is our declaration about who God is? But also, what is our declaration of faith about what God can do to our giant? These giants that we're facing in our lives right now, or might do in the future, are we, are we cowering in fear? 
Are, are, are we anxious? Are we, are, we, are we running away? Are we not sleeping at night? Are we, are we stressed out? Are we, are we panicking? These are all real things that can happen, right? Especially over the last kind of year that we've had and all the unusual stuff that's taken place. These can be very real issues. But I believe that God wants us to rise up. Say, no, giant, you're not going to defeat me. Amen? But there's just a difference in attitude. It's an attitude shift that, that takes place there, isn't there? Amen? No giant is going to defeat me. So in faith, are we looking our giant in the eye and telling, telling the giant what its fate will be with God on our side? That's what David did. He was, spoke to the giant, looked the giant in the eye and told the giant what its fate was going to be because of who God was in, in him. Amen? He said, I'm going to destroy you. <laughs> Your whole army is going to be destroyed. I'm going to come against you in, in, you know, in the name of God Almighty, this King of glory, the Lord strong and mighty. So you're going to be completely destroyed and your army as well is going to be completely destroyed. And that's what happened. I believe his declaration of faith was just so key in this. So in faith, are we looking our giants in the eye and telling what its fate will be with God on our side? Amen. You know, and as I said earlier, David had a great covenant. He, he was circumcised and that was a sign of the Israelite covenant that they have with God. But we have an even better covenant. Amen. Because of the cross. David, David knew he had a covenant, but our, our covenant we have is even greater than, than what David had. It talks in the Bible about Abraham kind of looking ahead and seeing that there'd be great promises in his life, but even he couldn't have. You know, what we now have is believers because of the cross and because of what Jesus did on the cross. What a great covenant we have. You know, any giants that we face were defeated at the cross. Amen. The, the giant of sin, the biggest of probably of all giants, the giant of sin itself and, and the power of sin, or the power of sin and death was completely destroyed and, and, and knelt to the cross, amen, uh, nailed to the cross and destroyed once and for all and lost all power, amen? And we no longer have a sinful nature. We're, we're made new. The old is gone and new has come is what Paul talks about. We're now brand new creations, amen? We brought out the kingdom of darkness, uh, dominion of darkness, brought into the kingdom um, of light, the kingdom of the sun that he loves, praise God. But what a great, when we're going to take communion in a second is we just celebrate what Jesus has done for us on the cross. But as you do that, I'd really encourage you to, to look your giants in the eye right now. Just do this in your, just, well, I just encourage, let's all just close our eyes. Let's just, just do that. Now, I want you to think about it out now. You've got to verbalize anything. It's between you and God. It's not about the person sitting next to you or anyone nearby. But as if giants face, you're facing in your life right now, I just encourage you just in your spirit just to rise up. Yeah, because no giants have any right to have victory in your life. They, ha- they have no right. They will tell you they have the right. And the devil will try and, think you, think they ha- will try and convince you that they have the right. But they do not have any right to be victorious in your life. Let's be people who just stand up against it with the king. Knowing that the king of glory is fighting for us. Amen. The battle is his to fight. It's not ours. Now God, God will use us and God used David. But it wasn't David doing the defeating. Amen. It was God using David. And David declaring who God was and rising up in faith. But it was still God who, who was causing the victory. It was a supernatural victory. All David had was, was a stone. I mean, it's just, it's just insane, isn't it? In the natural, he just had a little sling and a stone. And this nine-foot giant fell to the ground because of a little stone. It was a supernatural event that took place there. Let's look our giants in the eye. And it's all because of the victory of the cross. Because of what Jesus has done for us. Now, the Bible says that he made a show of the enemy. He made fools of the enemy when he, when he, rose, when he rose from the dead. They, they thought they had won. They thought they had got victory. It's like the Son of God himself is dead. They thought they'd got the ultimate victory. And, and of course, God had a much, much deeper plan that they didn't, they didn't know about. And Jesus was going to defeat sin and death once and for all. 
and defeat every single giant, every giant that comes against us. We can stand up against it with the covenant that we know we have, which is even better than the covenant David had, and his covenant was great. But ours is even better. We have total free access to the Father. We are brand new creations. Our sin has, sin has been dealt with. The bias stripes that we are healed, all our transgressions, and any giant that we can face is dealt with in the mighty name of Jesus. Any health situation that we can deal with, any financial situation has been dealt with because of the power of the cross and what Jesus won at the cross, that the power of the enemy was defeated once and for all. Amen. And we can live in that victory. It's God's desire for us to live in that victory. Praise God. Praise God. So the host and team are now going to bring around um, communion for you. So just to explain just a few practical things on this because these uh, times we find ourselves in. Okay. So what you're going to get is a little container. Okay. Please don't put your hand into the box for obvious reasons. Okay. So there's no contamination and that kind of stuff. The hosting team are wearing gloves, okay? So they'll, they'll, they'll hand these out to you. So there's a little container, okay? And in the container, it's got the, the juice and it's got a wafer at the top, okay? So you have to peel off the top and there's, there's a wafer and you kind of peel the main thing, okay? And it's got, it's got the juice inside it, okay? Because that's the easiest way of doing it in these times that we're in. Okay, so the hosting team are going to bring those uh, round now. The worship team is going to lead us in the song. And if you just keep those on you and then we'll take them, uh, we'll take them all together. Thank you, Ian. There's a place where mercy reigns There's a place the streams of grace go deep and wide. Oh, the love I've ever found is like a flood that's flowing down. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in of you. I'm in of you. Where your love ran red and my sin washed white, I owe all to you. I owe all to you, Jesus. a place with sin and shame a powerless where my heart is peace with God and forgiveness for all the love 
I've ever found It's like a flood It's flowing down At the cross, at the cross I surrender my life I'm in all of you I'm in all of you where your love ran red and my sin was white. I owe all to you. I owe all to you. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in all of you. I'm in all of you. Where your love ran red and my sin was white, I owe all to you. I owe all to you. Here my hope is found. Here I hold the ground. Here I bow down. Here I bow down. Here I'm open wide. Here you save my life. Here I bow down. Here I bow down. Here my hope is found. Here on holy ground. Here I bow down. Here I bow down. Here I'm open wide. Here you save my life. Here I bow down. Here I bow down. Mm, Jesus. Lord, thank you for the cross. Lord, I thank you for the, the covenant that the cross represents. The Israelites had a great covenant. Lord, Lord, as, as New Testament people, Lord, we have an even greater covenant. Lord, we have complete free access, Lord, to the Father. Lord, our sins are forgiven. We're washed. We're, we're made new. We're, we're restored. We're, we're made whole. We're brand new creations. We're, we're, we're born again. Lord, our, our life is written in the Lamb's book of uh, Lamb's Book of Life. We know that we're on our way to heaven. We have the promise of eternal life and that we'll live in your, in your presence forever. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Lord, and thank you, Lord, for your body broken for us. If you can just grab the wafer. It's two different bits to peel. We haven't worked out. Okay, it's the top one for the wafer and the bottom one for the drink. Okay. Thank you, God. Lord, thank you for your body for that was broken for us. Lord, you said do this in remembrance of you. Lord, and we thank you for what this represents and what you've beaten, the giants you've defeated in our life and will continue to, to defeat because of that covenant that we have with you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, and we thank you for your blood. 
or your blood, which is just as powerful, just as potent as it was, Lord, 2,000 years ago when you shed it. Lord, you said, again, do this in remembrance of me. Lord, as we take this grape juice, it represents your blood. Lord, we thank you for this covenant we have. Lord, it was, Lord, it was, Lord, formed in your blood. It's, it's your blood that shows that covenant, Lord, that we have. It's your blood that makes that covenant in reality. Lord, and I just put, Lord, for any, Lord, for every single person here as we've been thinking about those giants that we can face. Lord, we just declare as we take this grape juice together that represents your victory on the cross and your, your victory over death and your resurrection. Lord God, we declare victory over all these giants, Lord, that people may face. Lord, these situations, Lord, that in the natural, Lord, are impossible, whatever the situation may be, and you know, Lord, and they know. Lord God, we, Lord, we believe you for victory. Lord God, as we know you, as we know your character, Lord God, Lord, the battle is the Lord's. You are the King of glory, the Lord mighty and strong in battle. Lord, you're fighting for us. Lord, we cannot do it in our own strength, and you don't want us to do it in our own strength. Lord, we look at those, uh, these giants, Lord, in the eye. Lord, we don't, we don't shrink back. Lord, we don't operate out of anxiety and worry and stress. Lord, we stand up in faith in the mighty name of Jesus. We say, giants, be killed in Jesus' name. Giants be gone in the mighty name of Jesus. Giants be defeated in Jesus' name. Lord, may Lord, just be great victories Lord, in, in what people are believing for. And may all the glory just go to you. Thank you for your blood that was shed for us. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. God is good. Amen. I'm so glad. God is such a good, good God. Praise God, praise God. So let's continue to live for that throughout the week, live in the victory, victory of the cross. And we continue to talk about the battle belongs to the Lord. Next week, a time and time has gone. Um, so if you've got kids, so we're going to close the service there. So if you've got kids out in kids' church, uh, please go and collect them straight away from the same place that you dropped them off. Uh, if you've got kids ignition age, years seven, eight, and nine, they'll come back into the uh, main meeting here. Okay, and then they'll be signed out then. Okay, so they'll be back um, any, any second. We have a great week. Um, enjoy the sun. If you're a big football fan, well done for putting God first. God will honor that. I'm not even joking. God will honor that. You put God first. So praise God for that. I have no idea what's happened. <laughs> but anyway, we'll find out. But anyway, but well done for putting God first. God will, God will really, really honor that for making a great decision. Praise God as we pursue him, as we've been talking about this morning. Amen. Praise God. But have a very blessed um, afternoon, a great week, and we'll see you very, very soon. Thank you.